Listeners, if you follow SSR on social media and are up to date on our latest episodes, then you've been hearing me talk a lot about how we are now approaching the end of the first full year of the podcast. Well, this episode kind of makes it official. It's our second ever bonus Q&A episode in which I respond to all kinds of questions from the SSR community. And it's actually the last one to drop before I take two weeks off from new eps and begin prepping for year two. In this solo show, you'll hear me chat about everything from disappointing rereads and reading with my husband to mental health and body image in books. I had so much fun going through these questions, and I hope you enjoy listening to my answers. I mentioned lots of book titles in this episode, but don't worry about writing them all down. They are all linked in the show notes with links to purchase at www.ssrpodcast.com slash listen slash episode 53. Check it out. Okay. A few quick reminders about how everything is going to go over the next few weeks. As I mentioned, if you're listening to this in real time, this is the last new episode until July 16th. On July 16th, the first installment of SSR's second year will go live. It's a hilarious and at times upsetting conversation about the first book in the Sweet Valley High series, Double Love, featuring Grace Atwood and Becca Freeman from the Bad on Paper podcast. Between now and then, I encourage you to catch up on any earlier episodes that you may have missed. I also encourage you to check out the brand new SSR podcast blog launching on June 26th, tomorrow if you're tuning in in real time. While I won't be putting out new shows over the next two weeks, I will be sharing new content on the blog, and I'm excited to continue to bring this amazing community together there. Go to www.ssrpodcast.com blog to get in on the fun. Other things you can do while you wait for the podcast to come back? Leave a five-star rating or review on iTunes. I really can't say enough about how important these are. Reviews in particular help keep us higher on the iTunes charts, which makes it easier for potential new listeners to find us. In the next two weeks, and beyond if you're feeling generous, I challenge you to screenshot your favorite episode of this first year and share it to your Instagram stories. Don't forget to tag us at SSRPod. We are also at SSRPod on Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook by searching The SSR Podcast. You may also want to take time in the next week or so to learn more about Patreon, a platform that allows you to take a more active role in supporting the show. Go to www.patreon.com slash ssrpodcast or visit www.ssrpodcast.com and click support at the top of the page for more info. I promise there are some super cool rewards in it for you. Plus, I really appreciate it. Shout out to all the Patreon sponsors tuning in right now. SSR may be going on a brief hiatus, but I know that summertime means that many of you are only stepping up your reading game. Working more audiobooks into your routine is a great way to tackle the TBR pile. And when it comes to audiobooks, I am a big fan of my friends over at Libro FM. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Choose from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know who I'm talking about. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. SSR listeners can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code SSRPOD when prompted. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. When I buy audiobooks from Libro.fm, I support my favorite Brooklyn indie, Books Are Magic. You can support the independent bookstore of your choice and be properly stocked with audiobooks for summer road trips, exciting flights, and long days of snoozing at the beach. Listeners, I really can't express how much your support and engagement has meant in this first year of SSR. When I launched the show on June 26, 2018, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, and I certainly could not have predicted how much happiness it would bring me. 
Putting this podcast together every week is a lot of work, but it's so incredibly rewarding, and I have you to thank for that. I literally could not be more excited to kick off another great year of SSR. Now let's go to the show. Welcome to the SSR Podcast. You may recognize SSR as an elementary school era abbreviation for silent sustained reading, but if you don't, that's okay. What it stands for here is Shit She Read. Each week, we'll crack the binding on an old school read written for kids or teens and talk about it from a kind of grown-up perspective. We'll obsess over heartthrobs, relive the frustrations of middle school, and say an occasional WTF to a beloved author. If we haven't met yet, I'm your host, Ali Hofkosik, freelance writer, lifelong bookworm, and lover of anything covered in rainbow sprinkles. So find your favorite reading spot and a glass of wine. We're about to revisit some literary throwbacks right here on the SSR Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the SSR Podcast. Today, it's just me, no guest, wrapping up this first full year of the show by answering all of the questions that came in via social media a few weeks ago. Thanks so much to those who submitted the cues necessary for a Q&A. I still get a little nervous when it's just me behind the mic for a solo show, but I'm excited to dig into everything you asked. There are lots of questions about my reading past and present this time around, so here we go. Let's get things started with a question from Hannah Hart's book six on Instagram, who asked, what's your all-time favorite book from childhood? It's so cliche, I know, but I have to say Harry Potter. That series changed my life in all the best ways. Goblet of Fire is my favorite. But going back even further to books that were important to me when I was even younger, I would say that my favorites were probably Eloise, Amelia Bedelia, and pretty much anything related to a Disney princess. I was also obsessed with this series that I've never actually seen anywhere else. It was called The Clown Arounds. My dad used to read me a picture book called Mike Mulligan and His Steam Shovel, and I loved that one too. Hannah Hart's book six also asked me what author that I read in elementary school had the most impact on me. Can I say J.K. Rowling? I read the first Harry Potter book in fourth grade, so that probably counts. I know I can sound like a broken record with all the Harry Potter stuff, but truly I was so amazed by the world's building in that book. Since I already knew I loved to write at that point and may even want to be an author someday, I wanted to learn more about how exactly J.K. Rowling had pulled all of it off. I remember reading somewhere that the whole idea for Harry Potter came to her while she was looking at a field of cows while sitting on a train, and also that she had folders upon folders of facts about the world of Hogwarts. These tidbits really gave me a sense of what you could achieve as a writer, and they've been inspiring me ever since. Peanut Butter Ellie asked me about my top five favorite books in elementary school. Thanks for the question, Ellie. These books may just be top of mind because I read them somewhat recently for the podcast, and I know I really did love them, but I can't guarantee that they were my favorite favorite. In no particular order, Harry Potter, okay, that's probably number one, from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler, The Egypt Game, Walk Two Moons, and the Sweet Valley High series in general. Read underscore kids read on Instagram asked me about my fave books when I'm not reading for the podcast. Can I say all of the books? Seriously, all of you book lovers out there know how hard it is to answer this question. You can check out episode 28 when I did my first round of Q&A for a full list of some of my all-time favorites, but I think I'll answer this time around with some of my favorite recent reads. So far in 2019, I've really loved Made by Stephanie Land, Queenie by Candace Cardi-Williams, and my absolute favorite has been A Woman is No Man by E. Room. I'm reading American Girls by Nancy Jo Sales at the moment, and I'm really loving that also. 
Also over on Instagram, Kayla M. Burson had some really great reflective questions about the reading I've done for the podcast over this last year. First, she asks, out of all of the books you've reread for SSR, which one is your favorite? Before I actually reread all these books, I think that I thought my favorite would be The Babysitter's Club or The Egypt Game. But having actually read more than 50 of these titles now, I would have to say either Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret or Walk Two Moons. Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret is just such an amazing snapshot of what it feels like to be a middle schooler. And coming back to it as an adult made me realize how skillfully Judy Bloom handled subjects that I didn't even know I wanted to read about as a kid, specifically what it's like to grow up with parents of different religious backgrounds. And Walk Two Moons was just an emotional punch to the gut that I'm still processing. Sharon Creech is an incredibly beautiful writer and the book almost brought me to tears, which actually happens very rarely when I read. I'm not really an emotional reader that way. Kayla's next question was about what book disappointed me the most on the reread. Such a sad question to answer. I knew intellectually that Little House on the Prairie was going to be super problematic when I came back to it, but I definitely wasn't prepared to be so let down by it. There are so many issues with the language and the descriptions, and while yes, I'm always reminding myself that these books are a product of a different time, some of these problems just can be really hard to ignore. I wasn't necessarily a super fan of the Little House book series when I was growing up, but I do have a lot of fond memories of watching this show, and seeing how prejudiced the source material is was really upsetting. It's also never fun to reveal so many cracks and something that so many people love and consider a classic. So just know when I sort of like ruin a book for all of you, it doesn't give me any pleasure. I don't feel good about it when that happens. A similar question with a slightly different answer, Schmab on Instagram asked, what's been the hardest book for you to get through for the podcast? There's a lot of overlap between the books that have been hardest to get through and the books that are the longest, mostly because I often find myself rushing to finish books before I record the episodes about them. With that in mind, Anne of Green Gables was probably the toughest, though I actually really enjoyed reading it. I just didn't give myself enough time. I also struggled to get through Julie of the Wolves because that episode came at a tough time for me personally, and The Black Cauldron, which was pretty different than my usual genre. Oh, and Animal Farm, because I didn't like reading it in high school and I went into the reread with a bad attitude. I can admit that. My friend Lindsay Gorka Sanders asked me on Facebook, other than the books you reread for the podcast, are there any books you read multiple times just because you love it or them? Coming from the girl who reads Harry Potter every year. Lindsay's a family friend and we go way back. Linz, I love that this is one of your annual traditions. For a few years there, I was trying to read Harry Potter on a somewhat annual basis, and now and then I'll get into a good groove with Little Women, but I've found that I'm not so great at this. I would like to be better. I love the idea of a book that I always read around the holidays, but December always gets so crazy that I find myself dropping the ball on a lot of reading. I have reread Prep by Curtis Sittenfeld four or five times over the years, though. That's one of my very favorites. Shout out to Kendall Rebecca on Instagram for this next question, which is an especially thoughtful one. If you've listened to the first Q&A episode, you may remember that I mentioned then some bad habits that I have with food that are often related to stress, which was the inspiration for Kendall's question. Here it is. If you too have struggled with disordered eating in the past, do you notice any problematic themes or patterns in the past middle grade and YA regarding quote unquote ideal body types? And if you think they had an effect on your own views of food, I feel like when I look back, so many leading ladies had the same body types and authors went out of their way to describe their quote slender or skinny body types. I think children and teens now get more representation of different body types, but I wanted your thoughts because of your expertise on past and present books for younger readers. This is such an interesting and important question, Kendall, and I really appreciate you challenging me with it. 
when I think about my own issues with body image and disordered eating and where all of that started so many years ago, I can't say that I think it started with the books that I read. My initial instinct is to blame TV and movies and magazines. That being said though, now that I've revisited so many of the middle grade and YA books that I read when I was growing up, it is painfully clear how universal thinness was and often still is among the quote, cool girls in books. And I can see how those written cues probably reinforced all the things that I was already seeing on screens. It all just gets in our heads. Reading these books as an adult, and especially given some of the things I'm always trying to work through for myself, I am so sensitive to the way weight is portrayed and the way some authors use it to guide the way that readers perceive different characters. When this is consistent with what kids are seeing in other forms of media, I do think that it becomes really unhealthy. I like to think that the tides are turning on this, but I guess only time will tell. My real life pal, Allie Aves, asked me on Instagram if I ever wonder what it would be like if I didn't read for two full days. Hilarious question. Well, as any book lover who has ever been in a reading slump knows all too well, these two day hiatuses can and do happen, and I never really feel good about them. But when I'm not in a reading slump, the idea of choosing not to read for two full days sounds pretty terrible. Even if I'm super busy or just feeling off my game, I try to squeeze in a few pages or a few minutes per day. Truthfully, watching reality TV or old episodes of One Tree Hill, which is my current Hulu binge, can be a pretty good alternative if I need to shut off my brain for a bit, but a girl can only watch so many episodes. Moving into some kind of behind-the-scenes podcasting inquiries. Instagram's Kayla M. Burson wants to know how I find SSR guests. Do I have a method for which book choices I provide? I find a lot of my guests for the show simply by networking on Bookstagram and Twitter. I've also reached out to editors who I know work in the book world and to authors, podcasters, and journalists whose work I admire. This process is constantly evolving as the podcast grows and changes. Kayla refers to the book choices I provide, and yes, that's how it usually goes. Once a guest books their recording slot, I'll send over four suggestions pulled from the running list of titles that I curate. I try to offer a good mix of eras and genres so that the guest is likely to find something of interest. And when I can, I try to work it out so that there will be a good variety of books from week to week. This doesn't always play out the way that I want it to because of scheduling, but I do my best. On a similar note, Instagram's rlives underscore afayhi asked, how can I be a guest on your podcast? I am so grateful to those of you who are interested in guesting. If there's a book from your childhood that you'd like to discuss or that you think you have a unique perspective on, I definitely want to know about it, especially if you feel comfortable helping me get the word out about it on social media. I'm currently booked with guests through October, which means I'm also looking for guests to participate in round two of New Reads November, where we'll talk about YA from the last year or two. If any of this interests you, feel free to send me a note at hellossrpod at gmail.com. There will also be more ways to get the community involved on the SSR blog, so keep your eyes open for that. If you're listening to this episode in real time, the blog will be launching tomorrow on Wednesday, June 26th. Yay! I can't wait to share it with you. More behind-the-scenes intel. Kayla Burson on Facebook wrote, How long does it usually take to edit an episode? And do you usually have to cut out a lot? I also feel like no one ever says um or ah. Is that due to editing or just a conscious effort to not speak that way? Thankfully, I've gotten much better and more efficient at editing because when I started, it would take me over two hours to edit every single show. These days, it takes me about an hour and a half, give or take, depending on how long the guests and I talk and how much needs to be changed. You wouldn't believe how many times I say um. Most of those are edited out and I try to take out any extra dead space or filler words or strange noises. Starting a podcast has made me so aware of people's speech patterns, especially mine. There isn't a lot of substantive content that I edit out unless one of us is kind of awkwardly thinking aloud or working out their thoughts on mic. 
Do what 113 on Instagram asked, have you and your husband ever read a book aloud to each other? I love this question because my husband and I both really love reading, but we actually have never done this. We tend to have slightly different tastes in books. Matt tends to lean toward mysteries and series while I find myself jumping around a bit more. He also has to read a lot for work. We have very different reading schedules too, since I feel like I'm always reading at a mile a minute and he goes for a more leisurely pace. But I do like the idea of reading a book aloud to each other. Maybe we can start by doing a buddy read and then seeing where it goes. If you and your partner have read out loud to each other, I'd love to hear more about how you chose the book and how the whole thing went down. So let me know. Additionally, Do What 113 had a bunch of really fun pop culture questions for me. The first is about my favorite album of all time. So fun to talk about pop culture that isn't books for once. Don't worry, books. You're still my favorite. Um, Best loved albums. Rumors are really anything by Fleetwood Mac, Cleopatra by the Lumineers, all things Van Morrison. This is embarrassing, but also Dashboard Confessionals, a mark, a mission, a brand, a scar, because I listened to it so much in high school. My Spotify is the craziest miscellany of so many things, so I can't say this is the best representation of what I'm into, but those are some favorites. Do What 113 also asked about my favorite campy film. Another fun pop culture question. I'm a little embarrassed to admit that I had to Google campy films in order to answer this question, but I feel like there are plenty of celebrities at the Met Ball this year who are also confused by the concept of camp, so maybe it's okay. Of the movies that came up in my handy Google search, my favorites are probably Xanadu and The Wizard of Oz, which I did not know was considered campy. This little exercise has also reminded me that I need to watch the adaptation of Valley of the Dolls because I really loved that book when I read it in college and apparently the movie is campy. A really great question from Maddie Roberts 92 on Instagram. How has working from home impacted your mental health? I love talking about this, especially because it often changes from day to day and has definitely shifted over time. When I first started working from home, it really improved my mental health, mostly because I was not in a good place mentally in the final days of my corporate job. I'm super introverted, so I realized pretty quickly that working from home where I could be quiet and by myself was getting me back on track faster than I expected. I've been working for myself for almost three years now, and there are definitely days when it's hard. I find that the highs are higher and the lows are lower, and my mental health definitely is part of that. When things aren't going well in my personal life, working from home can be especially difficult. Back in September, when my grandmother died unexpectedly and we had just moved to an apartment that didn't feel like a cozy workspace yet, I really struggled with feeling isolated and alone. I think there are highs and lows with any working environment, and for me, on the whole, working from home has been healthier than it is not. I also work several times a week from the wing, which is a co-working and community space, and that's been a nice addition to my routine. And finally, Kayla M. Burson wants to know the status of my own book. Am I still working on it? And what age level and genre is it? I am working on a book. As many of you know, I spent a few months after my grandmother died working on a project based on her life to see where that would go. I wrote 30,000 words, and I might still come back to it, but for a bunch of reasons, I've decided to set it aside for a bit. It honestly felt kind of weird to be writing about certain family members at this point, and there were days that getting into my grandmother's head was not so great for my mental health. We were super close, and I miss her a lot. I also had a really interesting nonfiction idea that was stuck in my head for a few weeks, and I decided that I should spend some time researching that. I've been working on researching and outlining and doing some initial drafting for that project for about a month now, and it's going really well. It's still early, and I'm not sure how public I want to get with it, but I'm hoping to be ready to share it in the not-so-distant future. It's sort of a pop culture-y adult nonfiction with what I'm hoping will be a pretty cool structure, and I'm very excited. And that wraps up our second-ever bonus Q&A episode. I hope you enjoyed these question-and-answer shows every once in a while. I certainly am grateful for any opportunity for us to get to know each other better and to share more of my story with you. And the word grateful 
schedule does not even begin to cover my feelings about all of the support I've received for SSR over the last 12 months. I can't believe this first year is officially wrapped, but I really couldn't have done it without all of the love and listens and reviews and ratings and downloads. Seriously, thanks to each and every one of you for being part of the SSR community. I'm off to take a little time off from new episodes so I can gear up for another great year, but we'll be back with a discussion about the first book in the Sweet Valley High series, Double Love, on July 16th. In the meantime, be sure to catch up on any of the episodes you've missed so far and to check out the SSR blog, launching tomorrow, June 26, 2019. I am so excited to continue this journey with you into year two. Bye! Thanks so much for listening to the SSR Podcast. Check out our website at www.ssrpodcast.com for show notes and other information. And be sure to connect with us on social media for updates on upcoming episodes, behind-the-scenes inside scoop, and some good old-fashioned book talk. Find us at SSR Pod on Instagram and Twitter and search SSR Podcast on Facebook to join the group. To reach out directly, you can send me an email at hellossrpod at gmail.com. If you're loving the show, it would mean so much if you could subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share your thoughts with a comment. And don't forget to tell your friends, too. In the meantime, happy reading. I'll see you next time on the SSR Podcast.